Respectfully. 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 A Melanated Therapist. Welcome in and welcome home, family. I'm Dimitri. And I'm Marde, and this is Respectfully a Melanated Therapist podcast. This is not therapy. We are just two people doing a podcast who happen to be therapists. The information in our podcast is for psychoeducation and entertainment purposes only. If you are in need of therapeutic resources, please feel free to contact us and we'll point you in the right direction. Happy Pride to all members of the LGBT plus community and allies alike. Yes, yes. Happy Pride. Okay. All right, fam. So in honor of Pride Month, our topic for today's podcast is LGBTQIA plus in the Black community. So before we dive in, let's briefly talk about the acronyms in LGBTQIA+. Now, please keep in mind, as we discuss the following terms, we are discussing sexual orientation and not gender identity. So the L is stands for lesbian, and a lesbian is a woman whose primary romantic, emotional, and physical attractions are to other women. You have the G, which stands for gay. And is a man whose primary romantic, emotional, and physical attractions are to other men. And on some occasions, the term gay may be used to refer to lesbians. B is for bisexual. And a bisexual is an individual who has significant romantic, emotional, and or physical attractions to members of both sexes. T stands for transsexual. And the term transsexual broadly refers to anyone who does not identify with their assigned gender at birth as an Identity, the term refers to anyone who transgresses traditional sex and gender characteristics and or expectations. Then we have Q, which stands for queer or questioning. Now, queer is an inclusive term or is used as a unique celebration of not molding to social norms, because back in the day, the word queer was actually a derogatory term. Questioning is used when a person is exploring their sexuality, gender identity, and gender expression. Um, intersex is used for individuals who do not fit into specific gender norms of being a, a woman or a man and can also be used for those with reproductive anatomy that isn't biologically typical. And then the A stands for asexual or ally. And asexual is a person who doesn't experience sexual attraction at all. And then an ally, of course, is a person who is not in the LGBT plus community, but actively supports the LGBT plus community. Now, LGBTQIA+, that is a mouthful. So, you know, I'll, you know, just share with everyone um, what I say. So when I am having conversations with someone, I will actually say LGBT+, because it's shorter and it's easier for, you know, to keep the conversation going. Now, when I am, you know, texting or emailing or, you know, writing anything regarding the LGBT plus community, then that's when I will expand the acronym to um, LGBTQIA plus. And then for anyone else who's wondering what that plus means, that means that anything outside of those letters um, are included in that. So there are other um you know, terms regarding sexual orientation, gender identity um, that um, are not included in that main acronym. So, yeah. You know, I um, was looking at this and I had never recognized Q with questioning and A with ally as well. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so we're learning today, y'all. 
Okay. But get yeah, into they, it. Get some into of the them bag. are interchangeable, but the, the good thing about these, and I guess what people really don't understand, like what's up with all these acronyms and these letters is that it's all about inclusivity, you exactly. know, and, you know, how people show up and present it to the world and how they feel about themselves and what they know to be true about themselves. So that's where all of the, the letters come from. So that's why, you know, Q can be queer or questioning or A could be existential or ally because mm-hmm. we, we want to make sure that we're inclusive of all individuals. Right. Love to hear it. Okay. So members of the LGBT plus community are at a higher risk or experiencing mental health conditions and especially depression, anxiety, and substance misuse disorders. Additionally, lesbian, gay, and bisexual individuals are twice as likely to experience a mental health condition than heterosexual individuals, and transsexual individuals are nearly four times as likely to experience a mental health condition than heterosexual individuals. I need y'all to pay some close attention to that statistic, okay? In fact, I want to read it to y'all again. So that people are paying attention to the fact that there is a higher risk to experience mental health conditions when you are part of this community, based mm-hmm. all, mostly due to the social norms as well as the their own personal experiences of mm-hmm. identifying with sexuality. So mm-hmm. regarding, I, I won't do it to you. I won't read it again. But I, if y'all go back and rewind it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> right. Go, go back and rewind it. All right. So regarding youth, lesbian, gay, and bisexual youth, um, they are more likely, or sorry, they are more than twice as likely to report experiencing persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness than their heterosexual peers. Additionally, transgender youth face further disparities as they are twice as likely to experience depressive symptoms, seriously consider suicide and attempt suicide compared to cisgender lesbian gay, bisexual, queer, and questioning youth. Cisgender refers to the individual who gender um, identity corresponds with their birth sex. Mm. Those are some facts for your butt friend, huh? <laughs> for your ass, okay? Listen, that's what I started to say, but I was like, I don't know. I guess the the, the non-profanity spirit touched me just then. Because um, you Not know me. I curse. <laughs> But, you know, I just definitely want to highlight, you know, like a lot of these, you know, any, you know, the LGBT plus youth, like they have it really hard. And, you know, it's one thing to come out when you're older, because at that time, you know, you're able to kind of manage the spaces that you're in and kind of mm-hmm. manage boundaries. But when you're 13, 14, or in some cases younger, where you going? Right. I have to stay in this house if you don't get kicked out. So, and typically, depending on what type of household you come from, there could be criticism, there could be scrutiny, judgment, you may not be able to truly express yourself. All of these things impact these teens' ability to to not only cope, but, you know, keep themselves safe. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm not, you know... Saying anything negative about parents who have LGBT plus um, children who, you know, are having difficulties accepting that, but just understanding that, you know, it's a lot harder for youth to navigate, quote unquote, coming out. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely social normative term, but, um, you know, it's, they don't have anywhere to go. They can't mm-hmm. separate themselves from, quote unquote, the negativity. You know, they have to live in those homes. And then some of these kids, you know, they have to really be someone completely different at home 
so that they don't run the risk of potentially being abused or being kicked out of their home and thrown out on the streets. Mm -hmm. So with that, Rade, what are some of the stereotypes or common misconceptions you've come across regarding the LGBT plus community? Oh, child. Um, the, the ones that are just ignorant as hell, to be honest. But, um, you know, that people or individuals within the LGBTQ plus community are dirty, that bi equals gay, that all people within this community um, have SCDs, um, mm-hmm. that... If you are around a gay person, then it's likely that their gay will like rub off on you or they'll like you. Mm, that's a big one. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, those are like the, the big ones that that I feel like I've commonly heard, especially within the black community, especially mm-hmm. when talking to like my elders um, and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, those are the biggest ones. Yeah. Um, Of course, I've heard those. Um, I've heard that, you know, um, HIV is a gay disease or AIDS is a gay disease. Um, What's some other ones? Oh, (laughs) that gay people attracted to everybody of the gender that they're attracted to, which is not true. Like, just because, you know, I like men don't mean I like your ass. And I, you know, I, I can't remember where I heard this, but it was a comedy show, and the man was like, um, he was actually um a straight man. Mm-hmm. And he was um, you know, talking about his experience in the gay club, and he was like, Oh, I know I'm good. He was like, I know you know, people he gonna hit on me. And he was just in the club and he was like, Why is nobody hitting on me? He was like, Then I became desperate for attention. <laughs> yes, and he was like, So more little story is fellas, if women don't want you, that nine times out of ten the gay men won't want your ass either. So <laughs> Facts, but it's so facts, true. Like we we are attracted to, you know, gay men are attracted to other men, but that don't mean we're attracted to everything we see. We have no. standards and 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 um expectations for the people who we want to, you know, be in a relationship with or who we're attracted to. And that right. does not mean everybody with a penis. Huh. Okay. Hello? And then another and then another one, since we, you know, I just we just say a penis, but that everybody in the um, LGBT plus community or especially gay men are promiscuous or they hoes. No. And no, no. But then if we go, mm-hmm. if we go a step further, this ain't no different than these, uh, than a, a heterosexual man out here booming and banging with all these women. Mm. And all of y'all are not hoes. So why we got to be hoes? And if you call them a hoe, they embrace it sometimes. <laughs> They do, but we, I mean, but at the same time, you know, but don't just assume mind that we business. all the same. Yeah, exactly. mind your business. So I'm not, listen, I'm sex positive. And when I say right. sex positive, meaning that whatever you do in you your, do, um, do in it. your sexual life is your business. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to put a label on it. Um, yeah. but yeah, so that's one of the, another stereotype. And, um, what's another one? Um, I think a big one, um, you already said it though, was that, you know, being gay somehow rubs off on somebody. Um, and, you know, the, I'll get into, you know, a little more of my personal experience being Black and being in the LGBT plus community in a moment. But ultimately, I had an experience where a family member um, didn't say it to my face, but of course it got back to me that um, this particular person did not want me around their sons because I was gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is it going to do? What is right. it going to 
being gay is not a yeah. fucking That's another like, airborne disease. Like, right. And you and it's almost kind of like you, you know, even from there, whether it's whatever the perception may be, but, you know, gay people are not predators. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, we're, it's, it's not catching. Like, I'm not going to sneeze and then, oh, you don't wake up in the morning and be gay. Like, that's not and how that gay, works. That's not how it goes. No. You know, no. one other one that I actually have to, that I feel like I hear quite often with cisgender males, heterosexual males in particular, is that there's an assumption around um, lesbians will always be okay with, like, threesomes with men. Mm. I hear that one so often. Wow. Um, which is like, no, no, they won't. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Because <laughs> last time I checked, they don't, they don't want that. They don't want men. Right? Like, hello, pay Now, they're bisexual, but... that's different. But right. lesbians, mm-mm, they don't mm-hmm. want that. No. no. And it's not an open invitation for you to try to talk to them because you know they have a girlfriend. Like, that's just not right. how it goes. just not a thing. I think, too, like, uh, just, never mind. We can move on because, yeah. <laughs> we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, friend, you know this is an open forum. Say what you got to say, friend. Oh my God. No, I'm just, it's early. You know, I'm trying not to get heated. I'm like, uh, I just think that when I, I want to, I guess, start with this that I really think that people should just mind their business. If you're mm-hmm. here and listening to this episode, be here with open ears, open heart, open mind to learn exactly. and to receive information because. There are a lot of haters out there for no mm-hmm. reason. Right. And to be and honest you, with you, half the time I'm feeling like people within the LGBTQ plus uh, community are so much better than heterosexual people anyway. So, and when I say that, I just mean in the form of like morality and embodying values and you know what I mean? And, and those kind of things. Facts. So, yes, of course, acceptance. Listen, yeah, it's almost like, um, you know, because there are allies, you know what I'm saying? So there are, you know, very supportive, um, open, um, non-judgmental mm-hmm. people who support the community. So we're not going to say like they don't exist, but at the same time, we're talking about all of that extra judgment, scrutiny, um, yeah. stereotypes, all of those other things that come along with being, you know, in the community. You know what I mean? Which um, is very unnecessary. Correct. Correct. I, before, you know, we go on to the next question, I guess, um, I think I really need people to be thinking about this in the respect of, if you're listening to this, I'm assuming most of the, of our listeners are people of color and think about the amount of scrutiny and judgment that's passed on you based on race. Mm -hmm. Why would you reflect that onto someone based on their sexuality? Mm Yeah. Yeah. All right. So question here is, um, what was your, sorry, let me see. what was your experience regarding attitudes or behaviors towards the LGBT plus community in your family growing up? Ooh. Okay. So, in, <clears throat> excuse me. So it really wasn't talked about in my family when I was growing up. Um, but, you know, based on the generations that came before me, you know, there was a lot of 
what we would call slurs or derogatory terms used to mm-hmm. refer to gay people. Um, you know, for men, it was um, punk, um, sissy, um, and then more harshly, the word faggot. Um, and then when it came to, you know, gay women or lesbians, they were called, um, I, it sounds so weird, but they were called bulldaggers or dykes. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's, those are the terms that I heard growing up. And before I even kind of got to a place where I conceptualized who I was, um, you know, I, I felt like that th- those terms, they don't sound nice. Like I didn't necessarily know what they were at the time, like when I first started Mm -hmm. hearing them until I got a little older, but you know, that's what you grow up hearing. So anyone who's in a setting that, you know, environment where those type of words are, you know, put out there or there's, you know, backlash or scrutiny or, you know, being those people being talked about negatively in your home, then you're less likely to want to come out Mm -hmm. or not necessarily. I don't really feel like people should come out, but you'll be less likely to be yourself. Right. Because you already seen how your family is treating other people in the community who, you know, are gay or lesbian, et cetera. So what you going to say about me? Right. How you going to feel about me? So I'm going to keep myself to myself. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, one thing, you know, with. I just noticed that because there's different levels to it as far as what. um heterosexual people identify gay behavior. When I say gay behavior or gay expression as either you masculine or you feminine, and there's no in-between. And everybody doesn't fit into those categories through how they express themselves. So, you know, it's just, you know, it's a lot of homophobia and um, just period. And then there's a lot of homophobia um, in the Black community. So, Mm -hmm. you know, for a, you know, I can't speak for all, you know, gay men or or gay black men for that matter. But, you know, in my experience, it is, you know, you have to present a certain way or you're going to be talked about or you're going to be shunned or dismissed. Um, And, you know, people project a lot of their own insecurities onto you. So as far as quote unquote masculine, feminine, I'm somewhere in the middle. So, you know, I have a, a straight friends, you know, male friends and, um, you know, but I noticed that other, you know, feminine men um, make them uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, and, and back to that stereotype of, you know, thinking that, you know, gay men who they would perceive as feminine want to be women. And that's not the case. These people, these individuals are just expressing themselves. And, you know, if they want to wear a tight shirt, they want to wear a tight shirt. If they want to wear, you know, some uh, short bicycle shorts, that's their prerogative. It doesn't mean that they want to be women. um, I guess my wondering is, like, if if they did... That's still their business. I mean, but I'm just... Yes, Yes, I so get you. No, 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 I get what you're saying. I think, like, Mm -hmm. I just always come back to that. Yeah. Mind the business that pay you is the moral of that story. But, um, mm. you know, just like I was, you know, overall to kind of wrap this question back around because I kind of went off a little bit. But ultimately, um, it's very difficult, um, not only mm. just being a member of the LGT plus community, but it's really hard being a Black man or a Black person and be 
in the LGBT plus community because not only are we getting scrutinized or judged from society in general, then we get that harsher level of scrutiny and and being dismissed within our own ethnic community. And not only and out of everyone in the LGBT community who's African American, transsexuals get it worse. They get it the worst. And specifically um male to female. They get it the worst. You know, it's um it's sad. Um, but the whole fact of the matter is, is that, you know, it's hard navigating, um, dual identities. That's what I kind of refer to as dual identities. I have to manage being black in America. Then I have to manage being gay in America. And then I have to manage being gay in the black community. Mm -hmm. It's a lot, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, there's a lot of debates about, you know, quote unquote, people choosing, people being born this way. But, you know, ultimately, who would choose a life of constant scrutiny, judgment, and sometimes violence, and even death Mm -hmm. that comes along with being a part of the community on purpose, intentionally? Who would sign up for that? So I just want you to kind of keep that in mind. You know, you can see whatever you want to see in social in the in the social realm, you know, social media and movies and things like that, but that doesn't make you gay mm-hmm. or bisexual or whatever, you know, however you identify, that is who you are. So moral of the story is ain't nobody signing up to be abused. Ain't nobody There's signing a- up to be, you know, physically abused or verbally abused, even in some mm-hmm. cases sexually abused. Nobody signing up to die or to be beat up or receive an extra layer of discrimination if you're a person of color and also a part of the LGBT plus community. No one's signing up Mm -hmm. for that. Mm -hmm. So just kind of keep that in mind when you start to dispute or you start to say that someone chose a lifestyle. Instead of assuming what you think to be true, ask that person Mm -hmm. about their experience. Ask that person about their life. So that you can actually understand. And ask to understand, not to judge. Exactly. Ask to learn and understand. Exactly. Um, As far as this question goes for me, when it comes to attitudes and behaviors um, within my family growing up about the LGBTQ community, the Q plus community. um, So I don't really, like immediate family, don't really remember them talking to me about it much. At all. I just mm-hmm. remember always being in spaces where the LGBTQ plus community was there. And my parents were just normal. Like, you know, you treat everyone normally. It was like mm-hmm. it wasn't a conversation because they just look like, you're a person too. Right. Right. Um growing up when when it comes to that, I think there was once where when I was in high school. Um, I always had friends that were either fluid or lesbian or gay, whatever. Like I had mm-hmm. friends on the spectrum um of the LGBT plus community. And I remember once one of my aunts was like, Um, are you gay? Because you're always hanging out with her. And I was like, No, but I don't have to be gay to hang out with her. She's my friend. Right. <laughs> right. Um and to be honest with you, I don't know if either of my parents knew about her asking me, and but I know that it was never brought up to me again. 
or anything like that. She never asked me that again or, mm-hmm. you know, anything. But, um, and everyone just minded, minded their business. <laughs> you know, like, because, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, like, why does it matter? Right. But also, it matters, I think, in the in the face of protecting them, right, being an ally in any way that we can. But in the face of, am I gay because I'm hanging out with a friend? No. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, the attitudes and behaviors was just very accepting. Mm-hmm. Um, none of it was, quote unquote, tolerated. It was, you are who you are. Mm-hmm. And that was that. Awesome. That's what's up. Yeah. I'm thankful for that experience. I mean, I think um, in the community, like, um, so I'll go to school and all that stuff. I would hear a lot of that, a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, um, I, already, I already had my beliefs and my values that have been ingrained and rooted in me based on what my parents have taught me, mm-hmm. even the way, you know, my um my grandmother, my grandma Ada, she, the way she just carried herself as, around anyone, right? And mm. the reason I bring her up is because um, at the time when I was asked that question, I was at her home all the time, oftentimes sleeping over there a lot. And mm. my friend was always there, right? Like mm. there was never a concern, right? Like, so it was always very accepting and always just welcoming because you are who you are. We're going to love you regardless. Exactly. Mm. I love that. <laughs> Yes, yeah. Mr. and Mrs. McKinnon, we see you. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Uh, okay, next question here is, um, if you're comfortable, can you share your experience being Black and a member of the LGBT plus community? Mm. So I kind of, you know, <laughs> a bit talking about it a little bit as we approach this question. But um, the first thing that pops into my head is navigating multiple identities. And it's not that, you know, at first I was like, oh, mom, I'm being fake. Like, I'm not being authentic. I'm not being real (laughs) and true to myself. But I'm like, okay, Dimitri. So you know who you are, the people in your circle and your, you know, your level of support, they accept you for who you are. You can be who you are. However, you know, when you go into different spaces, you know, you have to present a certain way or now I got to fight. And when I say fight, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean phys- necessarily physical, but then I have to go into battle with who I am versus what you believe me to be. And mm-hmm. that's exhausting. And I don't yeah. feel like I should have to do that because you don't have to walk in the door and say, hello, everyone, I'm straight. Um, I have a girlfriend or a boyfriend and I have, you know, I'm married, all this other stuff. But, you know, it's almost like every type of situation that, you know, I have to walk into, not so much now that I'm older, but up until this point, um, it's almost like you have to put it out there. You have to, you have to, almost like you have to tell them or you have to present yourself in a way that is quote unquote socially accepted although you're not socially accepted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's it's a lot to navigate. Um, you know, and like I say, I, I noticed that, you know, there would be a lot of conversations in, you know, all Black environments where, you know, ooh, I can't stand, you know, a gay person X, Y, Z, but not you. You cool. Mm-mm. No, no, no. So it's that same thing when you look at it this way, like how with race comes like, oh, you know, I can stand, you know, 
I'm not racist, but you know, you're okay. I have a black friend. You know, it's mm, almost that same token. type of concept. Yes. Mm-hmm. You become a token. Exceptional. Exact. Exactly. So I'm like, you know, okay, that's not right, you know, but okay, you know, and um I just I don't I stand up for the people in the community, but you know, it's just a lot of fighting. It's a lot of battling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then I also want to bring to light something that I know a lot of um, our allies or heterosexual um, individuals may not know is that there may be a misconception that because we're a part of the LGBT plus community that we're accepted by all members of the LGBT plus community. So mm-hmm. you have to look at it mm, this way. If people are prejudiced and racist, That don't mean that they are not also in the LGBT plus community. Mm -hmm. So if you're a black man, not only do I have to deal with, you know, the the racism and discrimination from society as a whole, then I go to my ethnic group and I experience heavy scrutiny, discrimination and judgment. Then I go to the LGBT plus community and then I'm not fully accepted by some of the white members of the LGBT plus community because of prejudice and or racism. Yes. So that is the experience of a black gay individual mm-hmm. or transsexual or lesbian, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not saying that there aren't, you know, um, there's some, you know, I have um, some, um, you know, white gay friends and they're awesome. But I'm just letting everyone know how much, how many realms of discrim- potential discrimination that we have to manage face, being yeah. black and a member of the LGBT plus community. Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll leave it at that. But actually, you know what? But <laughs> because I actually I want to end with a positive. Um, mm-hmm. I have I feel that who I am has put me in a lot of different situations to meet some really exceptional people um you know i like i said i have a very good support system you know um my immediate family and some extended family i have a good circle of friends who i consider family you know who support me and and give me that that strength i need to actually go through those different you know uh realms and of discrimination and or you know prejudice and be okay mm-hmm so, you know, I do have a strong support system and, and you know, uh, regardless of what any anybody may think, me being who I am has actually, you know, allotted me a lot of different opportunities um, as well as a lot of meaningful relationships. I kind of want to ask you, you know, did you recognize any, as your family, as you shared with your family, your sexuality? over time and Mm -hmm. things like that. Did you recognize some unlearning, relearning on their behalf? Yes. Um, So hmm, I'm going to just be real and raw and uncut. Um, So my mom, you know, her generation, you know, that's just how they talked. That's Mm -hmm. how, you know, that's what was kind of passed down to them. And that's how they referred to them. So, you know, hashtag funny story. Um, I didn't have to come out of the closet. My mom pulled me out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, One day, um, 
So out of the blue, you know, I just, one day I didn't have any gay friends. And then one day I had like six. <laughs> so <laughs> definitely drastic change. Um, great yeah. change, by the way. Um, love, Still love them all to this day. Um, and me and my mom had just gotten into an argument. And I went to one of my gay friends' house. And she knew that that's where I, I went. So um, when I came back home, she called me into her room and, you know, she was watching TV and she was like, um, I know you're gay, so you just might as well stop hiding it. I was like, oh, I was like, OK, I said a real nonchalant. OK, but girl, you know, I ran into the living room and called all my gay friends and told them. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, listen, I ain't had no cell phone. So listen, I, was like, I know I get it. <laughs> Listen, I throwback. was I? I was like, um, oh god, throwback story when we had to use the phone in the living room. I think kitchen. I was, <laughs> I think I was fourteen, turning fifteen, because I was always a year younger okay. than everyone else. Because I graduated when I was seventeen, so I was. It was kind of like that summer before going into the eleventh grade. So yeah, honey, I ran in there and told all my gay friends, like, like, please let me tell you what my mama just said, <laughs> and, um, and that was that, you know. But you know, over time. You know, there was an instance where we were um, um, riding, driving. So I forgot where we were coming home from somewhere. And there was a, um, it was a transsexual walking, but you could visibly tell that it was um, male to female. Um, okay. So my mom was like, look at uh, what I can't remember the term that she called him, but it wasn't a, it was a derogatory term. Um, not mm. on the, the more vulgar side of it, but just based on, you know, what they've always been called in her generation. And I was like, well, was it the word you, tranny? No, no, it was more. Um, Cause at that point it wasn't um, the word transsexual wasn't a, um, widely used term widely used. Um, okay. at that time yeah so she kind of she called them a was it a it was a sissy or a punk and i was okay. like i was like well if that is i was like well if, if that's what you call in that person then what am i she right. was like well i'm not talking about you i was like but it's the same thing Mm-hmm. And then so and then the conversation stopped at that. And, um, you know, some time went by like she stopped saying it, like she doesn't say it at all. Um, and then um, when it first came on the scene about um, voting for gay marriage, um, you know, I had went and voted myself. And actually, I think I was in the line actually to vote. And my mom called me and she was like, oh, did you vote today? I was like, no, not yet. I'm like, I'm in the line now. She was like, oh, she was like, I just voted. And, you know, I made sure that I voted for gay marriage. I was like, go. I'm like, you go, girl. I'm like, OK, right. you know, um, <laughs> I'm like, good for you. And then now um, through her interactions, she's came across, you know, transsexuals and mm-hmm. she uses the proper pronouns. Like she makes, and she's, yeah, you know, no. respectful. Yeah. So, you know, and I never once um, looked at her in a negative light because she's literally just doing what their generation was taught to do. Mm-hmm. And now that she had a gay son, then that's when the, the work Change like she never treated me poorly. She never disrespected me or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, she's of course still loved me, cared for me, supported me, all of those things. But it was just some personal aspects that she had to she had reconcile to. Mm-hmm. Um, based on her upbringing. 
Yeah. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, child, we talk all girl. Yeah. Child, you know we talk every day, uh, just about yeah. every day. Um, but um, <laughs> but yeah, so that was our little our little journey, and uh, of course, very mm. proud of my mom. Love and, it. Um, it wasn't really. Um, we never had to argue about it. Like that was literally the only time we ever had a conversation about that. And from that moment to this one, like I never heard my mom say that again and like I said she used proper pronouns and everything and I didn't teach you know, her this stuff she taught that on, right. on her own like she I didn't even teach it, her which, that. yes but this is what I'm talking about this is why we can look at multi-marginalization if you got mm-hmm. if, if people just look at racism and the history of that right because mm-hmm. and definitely not dismissing you know what we're talking about today because it's important for people to understand a huge part of this is that you know, the same way we will want white people to go and do their own learning and research to better understand how their stereotypes are myths and debunking those things is the mm-hmm. same kind of work you have to do to unlearn the inappropriate ideologies that are assigned to the LGBTQ plus community. Right. And your mom did that, which is great. My, I, my mom was recently actually talking to me about her journey of unlearning of that when and I was an infant, so I don't even remember that. Yeah, but, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I just, I could appreciate it, you know, the, mm-hmm. the being intentional around learning to be better, period. Right. And it actually brought us together because, you know, up to a certain point, it wasn't that I felt unloved or not necessarily supported in the things that I was doing. It was mm-hmm. more so that I felt like, okay, there's a part of me that I have to keep out of the relationship with her. Like there's a part of me I need to shield from, you know, what we talk about and and all of that. Mm -hmm. When in reality, she changed all of that and it actually brought Mm -hmm. us, like she unlearned and basically brought us closer. Yeah. Learning and relearning, y'all. Amen. Okay. So question for you, friend. Now this is more clinical. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the issues or challenges experienced by your LGBT plus clients, past or present, and how did you or do you help them manage it? Um, so I have a good amount of my clients are fluid or bisexual. Um, and mm-hmm. the, the issues that they have in, in the past, I have dealt with uh, clients having issues around gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, especially working in the community corrections field, I had a lot of clients that struggled with, um, experiencing sexual abuse and believing that was the impact of their sexuality Mm. and having to unpack that. Mm. That's a big one. Um, yeah, that's a huge one. Um, Mm. but that is like a episode within itself. Hello. Uh, (laughs) um, and how I manage them. Um, it's one about making sure that it is reminded that they are in a safe space, right. that they can be who they are in this space and they can receive the resources that they need in this space. And if I'm mm-hmm. not able to provide those resources, then my job is to do no harm. So I will be directing you to appropriate resources that I know will be beneficial to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I maintain a collaborative effort. and. That's really how I manage them, right? I go at the pace that they need to go at. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The same way I would work with any other client, I don't know what your experience is until we start to get into the work, right? Until exactly. I understand your background, until I understand mm-hmm. where you fit. And I think for me, my biggest thing as a clinician has been 
in working with the LGBTQ plus community is giving them the space to figure it out. Mm-hmm. They are given so many messages that by society, by media, all of these things that say heterosexual this, just cisgender this, blah, 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 right? So that mm-hmm. then by the time that we are talking, they're in this space where they're like, I don't know what I identify as. Mm-hmm. And if they do, they're still worried about the other parts of the spectrum. I think mm-hmm. as a clinician, it has been my intention to be mindful that um, there's a sexuality as a spectrum. Right. And that I'm not looking to place my clients in a box of, okay, you're bisexual. Great. We figured that out. Like, mm-hmm. no, <laughs> I'm looking to see how can I support them in a mm-hmm. way that lets them know that regardless of who they are, not in spite of, but because of mm-hmm. who they are, that they are, they can still be safe to be that Absolutely. person. Absolutely. And that's mostly how I'm managing. I'm, I'm helping them to create a, or curate a safe space within with us, but also within themselves and then and build their community mm. around that. Amen. Yes, friend. Come through counselor. Um <laughs> <laughs> so you know, excluding the work different work environments um that you shared, my mm-hmm. same for me. I, I that all of that resonates with me and, and my work mm-hmm. with um LGBT plus clients. Um one of the biggest things um as far as like some of the issues that I see, of course, um identity issues, um, especially with my um clients who are POC, um, mm-hmm. or persons of color, they're navigating not only their racial identity, but their sexual identity. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, one of the things that um I notice is heavy depression. A lot of anxiety, um, self-harm, suicidal thoughts. Um, and in addition to the things that you said, um, one of the things or supplement to what you said was that um, I try to get down to how do you feel about yourself? Let's take everything mm-hmm. off the table. Let's take society off the table. Let's take your family off the table, your work environment off the table. How do you feel mm-hmm. about yourself? And figuring mm-hmm. where, you know, and assess that part of the situation to see where you are. Because before I we can teach you how to navigate these environments, we have to understand how you feel about yourself. Okay. We have to make right. sure that we build you up so that once we build you up, you have the strength and the emotional um, stability to walk through and navigate and manage these situations that you have to go into on a regular basis that may not be as accepting of you as you are of mm-hmm. yourself. So really, it starts with a lot of acceptance um, and understanding where you are in your self-love journey and figuring out how we can improve that and navigate that. And then from there, we'll talk about, okay, how do you manage, you know, family relationships um, where, you know, your sexual orientation is a topic of discussion? Or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a negative topic of discussion or you're being, you know, humiliated or embarrassed or put on front street um, about who you are and, you know, who you date or who you love, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you have the therapeutic aspect of, you know, dealing with the the mental health um, conditions of the depression, anxiety, self-harm, suicidal ideations and things Mm -hmm. like that. But, you know, with my work, it always starts with self-acceptance and self-love and and seeing where you are. Um, and then kind of navigating from there how to help you manage and navigate um, 
in those different environments. And and one thing that, you know, I like to tell my clients, there's no rule book. This, and we actually said this in one of our episodes, uh, right there, there's no rule book that says you have to talk to every family member you have. Because at the end of the day, they mm-hmm. are family, but they're still people. Mm-hmm. And if they're harming you, why stay in a relationship where you're being harmed? Right. Even if they're family. Right. And I'm not saying don't try to, you know, come to an understanding or, you know, talk it out and grow or, you know, and, and help them unlearn. But I'm just saying that you don't have to subject yourself to abuse based on the status of someone in your life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, all right, fam. Let's move on to our Q&A portion of the podcast, Therapist Hats Off. Rade, do you have our first question? I sure do. So first question from a listener is, I'm a heterosexual and I have only dated women, but I messed around with a guy a few times in college and sometimes find myself thinking about those memories. What does this mean? Hmm. Well, on impact, listener, that you enjoyed it. (laughs) Bare minimum (laughs) that you enjoyed it, you know, but, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, um, that you have to label yourself. You know, are are you just thinking about it because it was enjoyable? Or are you thinking about it because you want to experience it again? And if you want to experience it again, what does that look like? You know, but just thinking about a, a sexual experience that you had back in college where, you know, you were curious or whatever the case may be, then that is just what it is. Now, mm-hmm. if you feel like there's a stronger attraction to men and you actually want to explore that part of your life again, then that's where, you know, that exploration part comes into place. That's where you ask yourself these questions like, OK, am I actually attracted to men? Do I want to do this? What does that mean for me? What does that look like in my life? That's when you start doing that self-reflection. But on impact, if you just to me, I feel like it's no different than you fantasizing about a woman that you had a great sexual experience about. It's just, it's a sexual mm-hmm. experience, you know? Exactly. That's period. that's my take on it. What you think, Rodney? Well, retweet to everything you said. I really don't have much to add to that because, I mean, I think as as confusing as things may feel, they don't have to be because I think, look at this experience, like Demetrius said, a sexual experience that you clearly possibly enjoyed is what it looks like. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> and, you know, from there, being able to see where, how do I want to move forward with this? Or was it just that experience? Like, mm-hmm. and it's okay to have had that experience. So if there is right. a negative connotation to this question that we're possibly missing, then, you know, you know, it's, it was an experience. Learn right. from it. Just right. like we learn from the rest of our experiences. Right. That's and then, you know, just like, yeah, like, and I was just explore it, explore and see what, mm. what that really means for you, you know, because yeah. it could just be a, a, something that happened in college, or it could be that you may enjoy it enough that you want to do it again, or, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it can mean a lot of, di- it can mean different things. I won't say a lot of things, but it can mean different things, but it's just, you know, contingent upon how you want to figure out the answer to that question, right? what path I- you want to take. I guess, you know, my thing is, I don't want to be dismissive that clearly this is something that you're like, okay, what is happening? Right. 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 <laughs> um, and so I guess, you know, my biggest thing is acknowledging that because this happened, like I get the confusion that you're experiencing. And so, and the worry that you're possibly experiencing, it's different when we identify as one thing right and mm-hmm. then at our big age say say like oh wait wait a minute 
there was something else mm-hmm. that has happened in my experience, mm-hmm. my life experience that mm-hmm. I have to go back and reconvene or think about what are things that are important to me, my values, exactly. my sexuality, all of those things. I get mm-hmm. that. I 100% get that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can empathize with that. So, especially, you know, as black people with church, let's say, you know, like mm-hmm. I can empathize with those things. So just, I understand the confusion, but also look at it as an experience and mm-hmm. keep your mind open and your heart open. That is, mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing. If we yeah. start having a closed mind and closed heart, we're, we're not going to really make it to where we need to get to. Right. I completely agree with that, friend. Uh, you know, and ultimately, if you don't have someone who you can talk to it about in your personal life, go mm-hmm. get a therapist. And you're not going to a therapist because something's wrong. You're going to a therapist so that you can truly put everything out on the table and figure mm-hmm. out where you are. Right. In a safe space non-judgmental space and a space where it's confidential. Mm -hmm. So you can say whatever you need to say and actually figure out what's going on there Mm -hmm. so that you know, okay, well, maybe, you know, that was just an experience and I am heterosexual. And, Mm -hmm. or, you know, you may find out later through that journey that you might be bisexual, you know what I'm saying? Or you might be gay, like who's to say, but, you know, take the time to actually explore it. And if you don't have anyone in your, your support system or your circle who you feel comfortable enough to have those conversations with, then go find you a therapist so that you can get to, Mm -hmm. you know, you can go through that journey with someone um, in a safe space to figure all that stuff out. I, I would like to know from you, but I would definitely recommend going to see a therapist before talking to someone else. And uh, the only reason I say that is because you can say whatever you want in therapy, okay? You can say Fair the things that you like <laughs> literally fear the thought of, right? Like you can say it aloud. And, you know, when we are worried about something or we're fearful of thoughts that we're having or um, or sexual experiences that we've had or nervous about them, we tend to withhold certain information when we're sharing things with somebody close mm. enough to us to mm. explore what this is. So, I mean, yes, always use your personal support, your social support, 1000%. Mm-hmm. I just mean, if you want to get to the nitty gritty of some stuff and you want to lay all, it all out on the table, I really recommend you going to a therapist. Just here's all the thoughts I've been having, like dump right. them all out right. so that you can mm-hmm. move them around and see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I agree with that um, 100%. I just, you know, if there is, because sometimes we do have, you know, those friends who are completely Safe fluid people. and open already. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have that person um, in your life who's very open-minded, flexible, and all of those things, then, you know, that could be a source of having those type of conversations those with. Conversations but like Rade said, you know, that's therapy provides uninhibited confidentiality and a safe space to say whatever you want, feel whatever you want, um, mm-hmm. you know, but do what feels right for you. But at right. the same time, we're letting you know that you always have this space that is undeniably confidential. Safe. And yeah. confidential. And right. safe. Yeah. Retweet. Okay. Retweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so next question. I'm 22 and came out to my parents last year and I currently live with them. But I noticed when I express myself, I am met with sarcasm and criticism about the way I look and act. All of this makes me feel like I have to be a different person around my family and I don't want to be fake, but I also don't want to be criticized. What can I do? Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. The like, the 
the urge for me to just say, tell them wants to come out. (laughs) But I also, there needs to be some mindfulness around sexuality as well, right? I think have some, try to have one-on-one conversations if you can. Lean on some support. As Demetri, you know, just talked about, if you have anybody in your space that um, is open about their sexuality and you can talk to them because it's a safe space, Mm -hmm. then I would also go to them for some advice as they're around your family a lot more so they can give you more individualized approaches for them to see Mm -hmm. what's showing up for you. Mm -hmm. And then I would say to really try to have individual conversations such as with your mom one-on-one or then with your dad Mm one-on-one and explaining what these terms mean because your individual relationships with them is what is really going to help them to unlearn and relearn information and better understand what they're doing, what mm-hmm. they're saying, and how they're impacting you. Um, if you're in therapist, if you're in therapy, last thing I would say is um, talk to your therapist about possibly inviting your parents to a session. Sometimes mm-hmm. they need to hear it from another source. Um, and I know me and Demetri talk, have talked about this before. I invite parents to sessions all the time. You want them mm-hmm. to come? We need to talk about something? Because right. I, now I'm your advocate, right? Right. I'm in the space with you and Mm -hmm. they feel safe enough to have me there, which I always feel honored to, to be. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. that those are the hard conversations I get that need to be held. And sometimes doing it with another person, another party there. So even if you're not in therapy, if you have another family member um, that has been open about their sexuality and your parents know them, um, Mm -hmm. maybe even use them as a mediator Mm -hmm. to deliver this message. So mm-hmm. those are those are some things that I immediately think of. Yes, friend, child. This is a uh, wrap that up and put a bow on that, honey. Um, <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> so, the, so I guess the only thing I would uh, come in on the back end um, and say is, you know, first you have to keep yourself safe. And when Mm -hmm. I say keep yourself safe, meaning that if you don't have anywhere to go and you could be potentially kicked out of your home because you don't know how your parents are going to react to Mm -hmm. that conversation um, or you truly expressing who you are, whether that's, you know, um, through, you know, the way you wear your hair, the clothes you wear, all of those different things, you have to, it's almost like you assimilate to the environment that you're in. So if I know that, you know, I can't wear this this long hair or these these nails, you know, because I could potentially be kicked out and I won't have anywhere to go, then maybe I won't do that in that setting. It doesn't mean that I'm not being true to myself. It's meaning that I'm doing what I need to do to keep myself safe in the place that I lay my head. And when mm-hmm. I say keeping yourself safe, meaning like you don't want to experience that scrutiny, that judgment, uh, that discrimination or whatever is coming from your parents. But at the same time, you're recognizing, okay, this is my situation right now. And then, so how do I have to manage this situation now until I'm in a situation where I don't have to do this? Mm-hmm. So it's all about making sure that you keep yourself safe. And it's, it's, of course, you should stand up for yourself, but at the same time, standing up for yourself, you don't want to jeopardize your safety. Of course. So that's, that's first. Yeah. That's first and foremost. Um, 
And then everything about they said, you know, if you're not in there, if you're in therapy, talk to your therapist, maybe bring your parents in. If you're not in therapy, get in therapy so that you can help navigate all of these feelings that you're having, um, especially if you feel like you're not being your authentic self or you feel like you are copping out or whatever the case may be, because you may find that, you know, looking at it from the perspective of safety, that it's all about survival. It's not being dishonest with yourself. You're trying to survive in the situation that you have been placed in. This, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, this just always, I have to come back to this because I think black people, like I said, the multi-marginalized, right? So LGBTQ plus community, as well as being black. Mm-hmm. It, I, I come back to the, to the thought of, I need you all to think of this as if you are if you're cisgender and you are finding issues with the LGBT uh, plus community and heterosexual, right? I, I need you guys to think back about just historically, right? Our ancestors, our like people that were brought here on slave ships, the Middle Passage, uh, transatlantic slave trade, all of those things, they mm-hmm. had to assimilate to culture for safety. Mm-hmm. It looks different to us now, but they had to assimilate to culture for safety. Mm-hmm. I'm saying this to you because I want you to recognize that survival leads to this, this decision mm-hmm. to keep yourself safe. Mm-hmm. And so if that's what you need to do, that's what you need to do. And I even want to apologize for not saying safety first when I was giving my response, right? I went straight into the clinical stuff, but Demetrius is right. Like that has to that has to be a thing. We you need to look at am I safe first mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. anything else. Mm-hmm. That will determine how your decision goes and how many options you have. Yeah, because I've had clients who, um, not even that they said, "Hey, mom and dad, I'm gay," but just the way that you know they may have mannerisms that you know may be perceived as more feminine or acting mm-hmm. like a girl and being punched and beaten mm-hmm. as a result of that as a child. So, so what is that going to do? What? What you going to beat the gay out of me? Right. And you know, to be honest with you, right? They as 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 it as um. Wrong as that is, there are people out there who believe that. I know, there are people out there who I, believe that. And that's so sad. And another thing to that is there is still um, a lot of boards have uh, have um, disbanded and made it unethical to do conversion therapy. But there are still multiple states that allow conversion therapy. And for those of you that don't know, conversion therapy is when you know of someone's sexuality to be on the spectrum of, of LGBTQ plus, and you pretty much take them to a place to get the gay out of them. Right. Which ultimately all you're doing is walking them into trauma. Oh my God. You're literally yes. walking your child into trauma. Trauma. And distrust for you. So, and typically, and I'll tell you what distrust from a parent looks like. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, what distrust from a parent looks like when you're young and LGBT. I go get all of my answers or seek all of my answers from the world. Mm-hmm. And everybody you. knows that when you go searching for certain things in the world, you get damaged. Mm-hmm. Because you go on to search for the stuff that you, you should be getting at home. I should not be going out into the world figuring out how to love myself. That mm-hmm. should have started at home. 
I should not be going out into the world to figure out how to be nurtured because I should have gotten that at home. Now, granted, the good thing, the, the positives of the LGBT community, because it overall as a whole, because there's still people in it that, you know, kind of operate with some prejudice and racism. But at the same mm-hmm. time, overall, the, the community is accepting. Yes. They'll nurture you. They'll support you. You know, and they, you know, one part, I'm probably going to make some people mad, but I'm going to say it anyway. Hashtag Black Lives Matter cannot truly matter until you include members of the LGBT plus community. And, you know, and I want you to, to take into consideration if we look at like Rade was saying about racism and black and the black community, if you look at, it's not the exact same, but we're talking about the level of discrimination and prejudice part. So ultimately what has been, projected or what has happened to us as a result of racism and discrimination or prejudice, when a Black LGBT plus member goes into the Black community, the Black community does the exact same thing to those individuals that was done to them. It may not look exactly the same, but the way that it's approached, the way that the pe- that, L- that we're treated, all of that stuff, it's the same exact thing. It just looks different. Right. So at that time, Ooh, I'm going to put a word in somebody's mouth. The oppressed have become the oppressor. And I'm going to leave it at that. Mm. I hate to leave it there, but mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the reality of the situation, friend. Mm -hmm. Like, ultimately, the oppressed have become the oppressor. No, it is. It it, it is. There is no argument with that. (laughs) Not even a little bit. All right. Okay. Well, y'all, it's time for our Earth Lesson of the Week. Don't let others define who you are and how you show up in the world. Be true and kind to yourself. And remember, no one can love you better than you can. Respectfully, a melanated therapist. All right, fam. Remember to follow us on Instagram at respectfullymt and send your questions and topic requests to respectfullymt at gmail.com. This is officially our final episode of season one, and we want to say thank you and that we appreciate you for continuing to listen to Respectfully a Melanated Therapist podcast. We will be back for season two on Friday, July 29th. So make sure your notifications are on. And in the meantime, be sure to check out our previous episodes. In addition to the new season, we will have merch coming out soon. So be on the lookout for that. Until next time, fam. Peace, y'all. Respectfully. 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 A melanated therapist.